Hello and welcome to another episode of Journey to the Rise. I'm your host, Lucretia. In today's episode, we welcome Bree Mosier, a relationship and business coach. She's helping women and men find their way through trauma, personal struggles, and more. During their journey of working with Bree, people are finding their way to living the life they truly desire and finding success in their personal and professional lives. Bree is beautifully vulnerable on her platforms, sharing her past trauma, sharing her experience, and allowing her experience to lift up and empower others. Get ready to feel enlightened as we are about to dive into a two-part series with Bree, so let's not wait any longer. Please welcome my guest, Bree Mosher. I found this woman on all the social media channels. I highly recommend you give her a follow and seek her out. She is absolutely brilliant, and she brings a level of kindness and understanding and patience to women who long for that dreamy relationship, but yet we, I'm including myself here, we all kind of struggle and stumble and fall and end up with the wrong guy when we know we deserve better. And she's also helping women be empowered and successful in business. She brings so much to the table, not just in her coaching, but in the content she brings you on a daily basis. Bree, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for that introduction. That was amazing. (laughs) You're worth it. You're just incredible. And I'm so honored to have you here. And I cannot wait to dive in. And I just want to start off. Where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Maine. And now in Nashville, but I grew up in Maine and then kind of lived all around New England for a couple years, New Hampshire, Connecticut. Um, Bounced around to Vermont for a while and then moved to Nashville about, it'll be three years next month. Wow. Yeah. And growing up in Maine, what was your family like? What were they like in general? Yeah, what was, what was like the dynamic? Like, were you a close family? Did you do outings together? Like, what kind of mm. helped? What do you feel maybe with your family it may have prepared you for what you're doing later in life? Totally. Yeah. So I will say uh, both my parents have been huge influences on me and incredibly supportive. I feel very lucky especially the more of the world that I experience and the more people I work with and understanding their backgrounds, I was gifted a very fortunate blessed hand that most people don't have. And I had a lot of privilege and a lot of opportunities that most people don't get. And I feel like that's really important to acknowledge. My mom has shown me that women can do anything. Very independent, fiercely independent, gets everything done. She can fix anything. Truly anything, fixes the plumbing, builds the dock, builds a Murphy bed, like the most do-it-yourself woman and so empowered, but so, especially now that I'm older, very warm and kind um, and had always wanted to be a mom. So there, I knew she was always trying to get it right, you know? Wow. And that's very lucky to have a parent who, who cares that much. And my dad was similarly, they wanted to be parents and they wanted our family unit and my dad is very driven as well but really mainly the one of the biggest things he instilled in me was he used to say biy every night i would fall asleep which meant believe in yourself and he would teach me about i know so sweet he would teach me about manifestation law of attraction gave me the secret the magic of believing how to win friends and influence people and he was a businessman too so a large majority of my influence came from seeing really strong empowered women who also had softness and this man who was showing me how good men are, you know, from a young age. And again, I don't think a lot of people get that. So no, not perfect. Of course, there's, we all have stuff from childhood we're working through and we've, you know, navigated our own issues equally with either of my parents, but they're very fortunate, amazing influences. Yeah. It's almost like a fairy tale, like something you would see in a movie that just doesn't, hasn't been written yet. Yeah. And you know, and there were, of course there are issues, you know, there's always some threads of family dysfunction and as you get older you realize, oh, I'm kind of this way. And I think that came from mom or I think that came from dad or the dynamic I saw. So like for example, while my parents have, they're still married and they love each other deeply, but I never saw them work through conflict together. So for a long time I had this big aversion to conflict because I thought, well, the relationship is doomed. My parents have never fought. I don't know what that looks like. I didn't know how to work through conflict and I feared wow. it. Um, and I've since worked through that with them, but it was a struggle in my relationships for a while. So beautiful and fortunate and there's stuff and I'm only giving you one piece of the stuff. 
<laughs> That's incredible, and what an amazing blessing. And I'm, I'm, I love and respect that you're willing to say I was privileged. I had this fortunate. And you're right. That is not typical in the family dynamic. Normally, you run into someone and you're just like, what? Your yeah. life did what? Your <laughs> normally it's train wreck, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dysfunction and train wreck. So I'm mm -hmm. so grateful that you had those parents who who are like B-I-Y, I'm carrying that forward. I'm using that. I'm stealing it, a thousand percent stealing I hope it. you do. I hope everyone who listens starts to tell their kids that and teach them about the power of their mind because it really changed my entire makeup. Yeah. yeah. Your kids, your family, your friends, the stranger at the grocery store, like mm -hmm. the person who's being attacked on Facebook, B-I-Y, believe in yourself. Like that's yeah. making t-shirts. <laughs> I'd buy one, a hundred percent. So where did you end up going to college? I went to school in Maine. I studied psychology. Okay. I was at University of Maine um, up in Orono. And it was great. I was yeah. a very, I'm very focused. I always have been. Um, so the college like lifestyle was something that was on the back burner for me because I was building my business. I was competing. I wanted to be you know overachiever to the max. Again, we talk about childhood stuff. <laughs> Big expectations. So uh, in the overachiever camp for a long time, but yeah. it's a great school. Nice. That's right. You were competing. You competed in fitness, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for about five years. Wow. What made you want to get into doing that? You know, my dad's influence telling me I can do anything I set my mind to was <laughs> a blessing and a curse. Um, I, to be honest with you, I think it probably started with vanity. I loved fitness, but as I reflect on it now, years later, I can see this like never-ending quest for perfection, right? And if I can have this perfect body and be so driven and look this way, then everyone will love and accept me. And obviously that's not the case and putting our self-worth in things like vanity doesn't pan out. Um, but I'm really grateful for what I learned about flexible dieting and how to train well and how to take care of my body and to be so committed to a goal. So it started with this drive and ambition to achieve, achieve, and also probably vanity. There was probably some wounded stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible though, because that takes a lot of dedication and a lot of hard work to be able Thank to do. You. I believe I heard you say in one of your podcast episodes um, that you even were placing really well. Yes, yeah, yes, it was really fun. I was also in the time five nine. I've always been very tall, so being in that class, um, sometimes we're smaller. <laughs> you know, like the competition would be instead of twenty women, it would be maybe eight women, which was logistically a leg up. But yeah. was I was getting these first place trophies and being seen for my body and and all the preparation that goes in it, right? Anyone who's competed knows it's so much more than just, you look a certain way, you train. I mean, it was my life. It was everything. It was weighing my food down to like sour cream and dressing and how much butter you cook with and wow. these little things, how much gum you chew even toward the end because gum has carbs in it. So the devotion, <laughs> it was around the clock in terms of being an athlete and then to train, you know, Olympic-based training in the morning, like cleans and things like that and then to train bodybuilding style in the evening and then to be growing my business. It was just so, so focused and so dedicated. Yeah. Incredibly rigid. And yes. I, you mentioned in one of your episodes that um, I, I was grateful that you were willing to be vulnerable and saying even at 8% body weight, you had cellulite. And it made me think of, I don't know if you've seen the Barbie movie where they, they have the moment of, it's super cute, they have this moment where, um, they talk about cellulite and all the Barbies are like, oh my gosh, cellulite, no. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. I need to do more squats. I need to do more leg lifts. But to yeah. hear you be so real and honest, like, okay, maybe I need to, it helped me kind of, and I'm sure other women too, redirect my, my thought pattern. It's like, okay, this woman's training vigorously and still had cellulite. Why am I tearing myself down over that body issue? Yeah, 100%. That's what it felt like for me too, to be that lean and then see that, oh, this is still, this is still here. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Bree shares how she put her own body in danger 
tried to reach fitness goals as she entered fitness competitions. And I can't get any thinner than this. I mean, I'm already probably was endangering my health, to be honest, knowing now what I know about women's bodies and women's hormones. Have you noticed more and more people are dropping from social media? They are tired of being blasted by ads, by the nastiness that can be carried on endlessly with comments, accounts being blocked or deleted for no reason at all, and the reasons for people leaving and spending less time on these platforms continues. If you're only promoting and marketing your business on social media, this is not the best way to navigate your way to a successful business. But don't worry, I have good news. There is a way to reach your target audience. It's by email. Yes, email. Email marketing is not dead. It is alive and well. Businesses utilizing a smart email marketing strategy can increase sales, make connections, and deliver a message that will be more reliably received than depending upon an algorithm that continues to change. If you want to know more about how to grow your business with an email marketing strategy, go to girlbosscopywriter.com today. Welcome back to Journey to the Rise. We continue our conversation with Brie, and she openly speaks about her path to accepting her body and loving her body and how that is helping her empower others. And I can't get any thinner than this. I mean, I'm already probably was endangering my health, to be honest, knowing now what I know about women's bodies and women's hormones, um, which is another (laughs) You don't have to go down that road. But I did still have the cellulite and it was beautiful because all these things that I thought would change when I was thinner, some of them didn't. And it led me to this place of even if I devote my entire life to eating away and working out away and being away, this is not attainable. Why am I holding myself to this standard? And what does it even mean? And what am I making it mean that I have this cellulite? So I went on that journey on my own of really... You know, in any episode I talk about, like, when I was super thin, I would look in the mirror and be like, oh, actually, I need to have bigger glutes. I need to grow my booty. And then when I would get thicker and bulk up, then I would look and say, oh, I don't have abs. I need to have abs. And you couldn't just have it all at once. And your body often physically can't because that's two different goals and two different ways to eat and perform. Um, But it wasn't until I started dating my now partner where I really started to shift It's just an amazing thing to have somebody like really love and see and worship your body with no condition. And I remember one day we were sitting there and I was sitting with my legs folded underneath me on the bed. And that is when, I don't know about you, but for me, that's when my cellulite is like, she's front and center. (laughs) You know, I can see all these ripples and, and I don't beat myself up about it anymore because of that journey prior but he reached over and grabbed it and he was like oh my gosh i'd love to see all these ripples in your leg and i was like really what (laughs) wait what i started laughing and i said do you know that this is something women pay for treatments over they get super lean for like this is one of women's biggest insecurities to include mine. What are you talking about? He's like, I just love seeing how thick you are. I love how, I love seeing your body so built like that. Man, do you know what? That changed so much more for me. (laughs) Yes. Oh, praise that man. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. So good. So. Oh, that just, I know it's so healing. so happy. Yes. Incredibly healing. Yeah. And so often I think we get hung up on the wrong things because like we see ourselves we're judging ourselves but like you're you're right you have the right person the right support in your life they don't see that or they see it differently they see it as something sexy and appealing where mm-hmm. you know we're like oh i guess i'm not eating cheese this week a hundred percent um do you hear this ice cream cone thing? I do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. there's construction outside so it's fine I feel like the ice cream truck's about to come by. Speaking of food, yes, right? there he goes. I'm Excellent. sure he'll be gone in a second because there's no kids <laughs> out in my neighborhood. Um, That's okay. There's a dump truck dipping or unloading um, stuff for pavement right now, so it's fine. I'm waiting for him to fire up again. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> what were we, we were saying about? Oh, I remember. Pro- cellulite. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about cellulite. Yes. Um, <laughs> Oh gosh, I was going to say something important. Oh, prior to that experience, I'd gone on my own healing with my my own body image and falling in love with my body, falling in love with all parts of my body. And 
the phenomenon that occurred and now occurs for my clients is as you reach levels of body acceptance and love, often partners will come in who not just meet that, but exceed it and ask, expand you, ask you to see yourself even more in that light. So while I'd done all this work and I felt good about who I was, this person came in and was like reveling in my physique, my body, my mind in a way that I hadn't seen myself. And it allowed me to let even more love into my body for just as who oh, she was. That's so and, good. Yes. And that is the experience of a lot of my clients. After we do this work, they'll be like, I, he's worshiping my body in a way I never even thought it could be. And I said, I know, because when you get the right person, of course the universe wants you to see even more of how perfect you are. So of yeah. course he's going to come in and worship you even more than you do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really beautiful that you are willing to talk about this because you are fit, you are healthy. And like for me, I'm not at my fittest where I want to be. So when I see mm -hmm. someone who is fit and someone who I admire their fitness and you were saying, oh, I was insecure about this and had this worry and this worry, I'm like, really? So I'm not alone here. <laughs> No, I think every woman has insecurities, right? And even, I mean, you know, my clientele was really driven, successful women building beautiful companies and have achieved so much. And depending on where we achieve from, it can either come from a sense of worthiness, like I feel so good about myself and so I achieve these things, or I don't feel whole and complete and so I'm going to go achieve these things to make myself feel better as a way of trying to skirt around the wounding. I'm so terrified that I'm not good enough because of what I look like that I'm gonna go you know, do all these procedures and do this massive training routine to try to get over it. But then it becomes conditional happiness. you know. And so when the universe wants them to learn that lesson, they're still invited back to love themselves without all that stuff, be it achievements or bodies. You know, That's goals. incredible. How beautifully insightful. Now, as you're studying psychology, is that where this started for you? Like, what clearly you have all this beautiful insight but you're studying psychology like where did this all start to kind of come together yeah it's a good question i i mean i went into my degree undecided so i didn't it wasn't like i went in wanting to study psychology although it makes sense to me now looking back like reading <laughs> personal development books at 14 15 not normal <laughs> <laughs> not normal um but I wasn't sure if I wanted to study business or psych or something else entirely. And I think I've always been a helper anyway. I mean, my parents, my mom will tell me stories about coming home from school crying because all of the people were telling me their life stories and the things that were happening to them at home. And I was eight. I didn't know where to go with it. Like I had too much compassion, no boundary, obviously, right? No boundaries. And I don't know how to hold that. And I'd be in the guidance counselor's office every day, offloading. All my friends are telling me these things. I want to help them, but I can't because I'm eight, so I need more support. So I think it's kind of been my role for the longest. And once I graduated, I remember telling my mom, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to work for anybody else, just so you know. I'm like, at the time, I was fitness coaching. Like, I'm going to build my company. I'm, I'm going to coach these women on building their bodies how they want them. And she was like, eh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, she really didn't get it. And that's okay. I didn't expect her to. I knew sure, my dad would yeah. get it because of what our conversations. But my mom, um, it took her a little while to see the fruit of it. And I think she would tell you that if you asked her to. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you graduate. And then where did life take you? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so when I graduated... So here's what happened. <laughs> I had been dating someone um, very seriously when I was in college and he was an amazing person and ultimately not my person, but still an amazing person. And I think I had been trying to force myself to want that because it was so good and there was nothing wrong with it. And I have no criticism of him as a person at all. And I just knew it wasn't for me. It wasn't the highest for me. And so when that relationship ended, which was right around the time I was, you know, that summer after graduating, um, I ended that relationship and came home to kind of sort things out. And then very quickly, you know, because I hadn't done any self-work, because I didn't have boundaries, because I wasn't aware how much I didn't respect my own needs. I mean, given I was 22, 21, right? I didn't know how to speak up for myself. Um, didn't have any boundaries. That was the biggest thing. I wasn't connected to my anger 
at all. I was just like the good girl overachiever people pleaser. And so when I started dating again, it was the first time I had dated in a while because I'd been so focused in college. And I met somebody who was this like big, bold, masculine energy, very like drive, take initiative. And oh my, all about me. You're amazing. And this young entrepreneur, and I want to take you on these trips and I want to buy you these expensive purses. And like, let me take you into my world. And he was also 11 years older than me. So he was 33. I was 21, 22. And I just didn't know what was happening, you know, but we started dating and it got fast very quickly. And I remember having the warning signs come up, but feeling like doubting myself, questioning myself, not trusting myself, which is what I, you know, had done for a long time and didn't realize. So when it started to slow drip into like emotional abuse and manipulation and eventually revealing itself to be narcissism and I got really entangled in that, um, that was a very hard period. Very difficult, but that's what happened right after college as I was building this company, like competed and did all these things that people think are, wow, this person's so driven. And then I got sucked into this, you know, black hole of a relationship that really um, damaged my mental, psychological, emotional health for years. I mean, I still have things that come up from that dynamic. Right. So, yeah. And your willingness to talk about being in that environment, that relationship, I think is so... It's such a gift because there's so many women who are with narcissists and mm-hmm. like I've experienced one. So when I hear you speak about that, it's just really refreshing to have someone willing to be open and vulnerable because mm-hmm. it opens the door to so many women who are either in it, facing it, been in it and realizing, wow, this woman really can relate to me at a guttural level. Mm. You've um, slowed down for just a second, but I think I heard everything you said. Okay. Yeah. No, 100%. And a lot of my, most of my, if not all of my clients come from a background of abuse because of that, because of talking about it. Um, And for me, it's just not something that I feel shame because I'm not the one who should feel shame about what happened. Right. And that's kind of always the way I've oriented myself towards it. It's like, I'm not embarrassed, but there's only one person who should be embarrassed by this. It's not me. So how can I turn this, you know, pain into something that really supports other people? And I feel very lucky, grateful, blessed to have helped so many of my clients get out of those situations and then go on to find healthy, happy love. And that's crazy. That makes it so worth it for me that if I had to do it again, I would do it again. Wow. Wow. And you're right. We have to talk about these things. We have Mm -hmm. to, we have to speak up. We have to talk about it. And I love that you're like, I'm not the one that needs to feel shame. I'm not the one that needs to be embarrassed because that Mm -hmm. person, oh yes. Yes. Queen. Thank you. Yes. A (laughs) hundred percent. Right. I mean, I'm, I, I'm actually really proud of the strength that I had to get out of that. So I don't right. feel like anymore. And there was a phase where I felt like, how did I let this happen? And how did I not know? And how could I be so silly? And through the healing, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel that way at all anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. And as you're, you're building your business as a fitness coach, like how did you realize you wanted to coach women? Now that was in fitness, but you, you coach women in business. What was the connection for you? to realize, hey, I want to help empower women in business. Yeah, so it was about the same time period, really, when I was in that relationship, you know, in my early 20s, and um, the fitness-based business was growing very fast and easily. I made 100,000 or six figures my first year, and I thought, wow, this is kind of this is kind of wild, like how this works. And what if, instead of changing people's bodies, I could help women build financial freedom and be in their purpose work and teach them how to be wow. anywhere and monetize this skill. So I started to kind of phase out of fitness coaching because I felt more purpose and passion with business mentorship. Um, and that was really rewarding to help clients in that aspect too, to leave their jobs and replace their full-time income as entrepreneurs and like expand their purpose. So much joy in that. Yeah. And did you go into any kind of specialized training or did you just feel like you had the, the skill set and the knowledge to know how to help women? 
Yeah, well, my background was in psychology, and then I had done that, you know, year, year and a half of building my business and seeing how it worked. So it sounds silly when I look back and go, wow, she was, that version of me was a little delusional, but (laughs) she's confident. And and it worked, you know, the women that I worked with early on in building their businesses and teaching them law of attraction, manifestation. I'd also taken business classes, of course, when I was any like extra credit that you had to get, I would always choose a business class. I'd be in accounting, I'd be in marketing, I'd be in, you know, all of those. So I had some formal training with my degree, but a lot of it was experience based. And I think that almost superseded in terms of being able to offer, offer people wisdom and expertise because it wasn't just an idea. I've studied business and here you go. It was like, no, I've, I've built this business from the ground up and I can help you do the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. So you have the skill set and you're willing to share it and that's, yeah. that's incredible. And I think it's interesting you talk on your podcast with the love of men with Courtney Shand. You talk about putting the coach hat on and I've heard you mentioned how um, you and Courtney often give like nuggets of information that opens the door to awareness. And I noticed that you don't get too deep in the topic and, and you've ex- you've expressed that, you know, like why you don't go too deep in the, in the topics. But I really believe the quality of information you bring that you offer in your coaching and offer in your courses, I think it holds such value that even if you were to d- drop off into the deep end of a topic, I think it's really helping people realize the value that you bring to someone um, who's maybe they're struggling with something, you give them that moment of clarity. And I think when they start realizing like, oh, this woman has so much more to offer because you, you do give so much information for free, but I really believe existing potential clients can really take so much value from the coursework and the one-to-one stuff that you offer. You know, I just think that there's that realization like, wow, this woman can really help me. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Yeah. We, I mean, Court and I have talked explicitly about, you know, what are our boundaries with what we share? Because if we let ourselves, we could just go off giving all this information away for free. And we always have to respect that we have clients who are paying, you know, to be in the containers with us. And so out of respect for them and for our own intellectual property, we sometimes we reserve some things for what we keep our private clients, but we give away a lot for free because we want it to have that effect, right? We want you to feel super supported and like the hour you spend with us on the show, you change every time. You get a lot of information, you shift, you can do something differently in your life and relationship. So I'm glad that that's received. (laughs) It's absolutely received. And I think someone out there who is recognizing you know what you bring to the table maybe they could go spend time on YouTube or this and that but they're gonna realize that journey can be shortened by working with Brie <laughs> thank you no yeah, I appreciate absolutely. that yeah and so what is the process like when you sit down with a client who wants to be more successful in business maybe they're struggling to get her business where she wants it to be like how does that begin with you Yeah, so in terms of when I first meet somebody, I kind of figure out where they're at. And anybody that is already a current client will know we have a pretty extensive sales conversation so that I can make sure what they need is exactly what I offer, right? Like this is the puzzle piece. I'm a big believer that the universe brings you the perfectly aligned people, whether it's dating or business. And I want to make sure it feels like a hell yes for both of us. So I'll just figure out where they're at, you know, what their goals are, what's their vision for their business, what are they struggling with, what's getting in the way, and then kind of figure out, are my services this missing piece for them? Are my skill sets perfect in this area to support them? And each client has a unique journey. Sometimes they need more masculine structure in their business in terms of, you know, launch plans and how they sell and how they show up and using their voice or excuse me, (laughs) ironic using their voice more. (laughs) Um, Other times they need more feminine energy work because they're very driven women. So they need to learn how to receive, let go, take time off, play, replenish, you know, channel, work with spirit, whatever it might be. Um, But everyone's unique and always without a doubt, there's relationship stuff in there, which I'm well equipped to support the men. So it takes on its own unique flavor with each person. I think that you, since you do offer that support, often business women who are driven in business you know that 
that is a struggle that they experience. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Intern. <laughs> yes. But it's, you know, she she herself has that, you know, struggle with her, her home life because she's putting so much into her business. And, mm. and so I, I appreciate that you're able to recognize, like, hey, while we're working on this, you know, this could also be you're willing to help them be strong at home as well as yeah. strong on the business side. Totally. Yeah. And it just takes me back to those first couple of years when I was starting my business and living with someone who was narcissistic and not knowing it and the emotional, psychological stress damage that was happening. And then I was having to show up in this business and be this like strong, powerful woman when at home I felt like I was crumbling, questioning myself and having all this doubt and like, can I do it? And at the same time, this person was saying things to me like, I'm the reason you're so successful and you couldn't do this without me, which wasn't true at all to be fair i mean i hired mentors i was well equipped he wasn't doing anything in my business but that's part of the manipulation and i see that now so i know firsthand the impact of having relationships that are depleting and abusive over here and then to grow your business the amount of energy it takes i mean i remember waking up and i would sit in front of this mirror to do energy work and to kind of you know pull things through for the day and the first half an hour, I would just sit in front of the mirror and cry, process the emotions, alchemize them. I was so stressed and holding so much. Um, and you know, within the narcissism dynamic, there's usually some triangulation going on. So I was getting pulled away from my family, from my dearest friends, my best friends, and really alone other than with this person mm -hmm. because I had been manipulated to believe that all these people were sabotaging me, right? So I, when women come to me and they're like, hey, I wanna grow my business and my personal, they think it's maybe sales or marketing, but their personal life is pulling on them. Mm -hmm. Having somebody who can support you in standing up for yourself, speaking up, being an empowered feminine partner who also advocates for her needs, removing yourself from toxic relationships, that's all gonna cause your business to skyrocket. Yeah. And usually that's a big leak for business success. Yeah. There's so much, oh my gosh, I could just hug you right now. Like, I just <laughs> want to like jump around because I, I know I experienced that. I was, yeah. I was with a narcissist and once I got out and healed and it was probably, I don't know, years later, I reflect, reflected back. I was like, I accomplished this without him. I could do this. I like what was lost was gained by multiples, by mm -hmm. being free of that toxic behavior. And I'm seeing a friend of mine, he's in a unfortunate, his marriage has gotten toxic and I'm watching, he's a very special person to me and I'm watching him struggle with his personal relationship and he's scared to go through the divorce because of what he will lose. And I just want to say to him, what you will gain, you will gain twice as fast and four times as much without that toxic behavior at home. But, 100%. Yeah. It's just being able to be strong enough to be free. And I love that you offer these services to help these women recognize I am going to be okay. And you mm -hmm. give them the tools to gain the confidence. And the I've realized throughout the years, trusting yourself is huge. A hundred percent. I mean, you want to feel confident in who you are and knowing that you can make yourself happy and be on your own with or without a partner. And that's a skill set you still need with a partner. So if somebody is listening and thinking, oh, I'm stuck in this you know, unhealthy dynamic and how am I gonna work on, I don't wanna work on myself to get free because they feel that betrayal. They're still being pulled in by this person. That makes sense to me. I would invite you just to look at it as being happy and confident on my own is always gonna be a skill set that I need to be thriving in any healthy relationship. So number one, if I'm questioning, like if I grow and become more confident and happy, is that gonna pull my partner away from me? Think about the question, right? Really, yes. if they're an aligned person for you, aren't they gonna want your growth and happiness and, and confidence in yourself, number one? Number two, if you think, yeah, okay, they will be, well then great, this is a skill you need whether you're with them or not. So I would work on this thing and as you do, and as I have clients who do, the behavior from the partners that don't feel good or the misalignment in the partnership makes itself even bigger because they now the gap is so much more palpable, right? Where they used to vibrate like, this is just an example, it's not a real thing, but if <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, they vibrated at a five, 
energetically when they're with that partner and their partner matches them at a five as they start to raise their vibration and feel confident and healthier they move up to like an eight now you can feel the gap and you're going wow every time i'm around this person they pull me down they make me feel bad about myself i'm never good enough for them yeah hmm (laughs) so do the work for you and then it will reveal itself if this person is of the highest and best that's beautiful yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. And you, you talk on your website that you are a feminine feminine energy mentor. Like, what does that mean to someone who may be new to that terminology? Totally. Okay, great question. So in my work, and this is not the same for all people who teach feminine energy, I believe that we all have both energies regardless of biological sex and regardless of gender identity. So meaning everyone gets to have feminine and masculine energy and the way that we teach it on the show as well is that we have empowered and wounded parts this isn't a literal definition it's a really helpful framework to understand yourself and other people that has a lot less to do with these genderized terms that people tend to give it and a lot more about just understanding energy so i feel like that's important to say inclusivity is really important to me and often my work is misinterpreted because of that so typically we tend to hold one pole a little bit more or less and the concept of polarity means chemistry right it means i want to jump this person's bones i'm attracted to them i'm drawn to them i want to be all over them that feeling and usually that comes from again it can come from other places of course but it's not the same flavor of polarity which is one strong masculine pole and one strong feminine pole and people tend to know which pole they relate to by, so my litmus test when I work with women, because they're like, I don't know if I'm more masculine or more feminine. And it can be confusing because sometimes women are in their masculine out of protection and they're in that like control, get it done, achieve mode to numb out from all the pain and what they're avoiding. So what I ask them is, okay, when you're dating, do you want a partner who is going to like make the plans, pursue you? push you up against the wall, make out with you with consent. (laughs) Like if you want a partner who takes the lead, right? And has that energy, or do you want to be the partner who's doing the consensual pushing up against the wall and the making the plans, pursuing, texting them first? What feels more like you? And they'll usually say, oh, of course I want, of course I want a masculine partner who's going to lead and initiate and make the plans and all those things. I say, great. So you're probably more of the feminine pole. So let's talk a little bit about the needs of the feminine. And then I kind of just feels like I'm explaining them back to themselves. You know, when we talk about, for example, the three real core needs of the feminine are to feel safe, seen and heard. And once they hear it in that outline, they're like, Oh, that makes so much sense. Why I've been in my protective masculine with you know, men who weren't emotionally safe, who would get defensive, who would shut down, who would gaslight. Like, of course I'm not in my feminine radiance. I'm burning out. I'm overworking at home. I'm taking care of the entire mental, physical, childcare load at home. And my partner wants to be in, me to be in my melty, sexy, feminine. It's inaccessible. And before we have this conversation, usually they're turning in on themselves. They think I should be more feminine. Like I can get all these things done. How come I'm just not in my feminine easily? And it's these pieces that connect the dots for them and go, that can't happen if you're burning out in all these places and you don't feel emotionally safe, seen, or heard. It's not going to happen in your relationship. (laughs) And then we start to shift them, right? Shift the dynamic, shift her access to her feminine energy. So that was a long answer, but I hope it answered your question. Yes. No, it was was perfect. And so as you're learning about the feminine energy, what was the draw? Is it just because it's like a yin and yang, but what was the draw to learning like the feminine and the masculine energy? Yeah, I had dated partners who were primarily in their feminine and I didn't have the words for it at the time, but they would be very like go with the flow, whatever works for you, kind of floating by in life. And I was not that person, as you know, from the first 20 minutes of the episode, there was no like, well, we'll see what happens. I was very intentional with my goals. Um, And that was causing me to lose attraction, which was one of my first clues of like, why does this person feel more like a friend to me? I don't feel my best. I don't feel how I want to feel in a relationship. I feel good about my life. But in this relationship, I want to drop this hat. I don't want to be the masculine planning the dates and initial. I do enough of that in my life. Um, And we had a few conversations about it and it just, you know, didn't work out. And I probably wasn't the most empowered feminine back then. 
Um, but it, but I had to release that. And then through that pendulum swing of now finding someone who was wounded masculine, which is long story short, there's a spectrum of wounded masculine at the very end we is what we would call NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. Most people don't fall here. Most people are somewhere in the middle or have narcissistic traits, but that's what made me realize, okay, so I don't want someone who leans all the way back and doesn't take the lead. But I don't want someone who is bullying and abusive and critical and never wants to listen to my ideas or my input makes me feel small. There has to be a healthy masculine and there has to be a healthy feminine because I don't want to be like, oh, whatever, go with the flow, surrender it all the time. No, that's actually just not authentic to me. That's not who I am. And I don't want to be in the wounded masculine, you know, um, drive all the time. So that's kind of what led me to figuring out how do we be empowered in feminine or masculine energy versus wounded. And I was very blessed with, you know, taking courses with Alison Armstrong and Leah Lake who made those really clear ideas. And then through my own life experience, I've changed a lot of what I've learned and um, made it my own, so. That's fantastic. So you, it sounds like you had several like aha moments as this information was resonating with you. Yeah. Was there anything specific in those aha moments or was it just like, okay, you just kind of grabbing these little tidbits and it all just making magical sense? I mean, isn't that the way the universe is? Like there's just a million little moments of mm -hmm. getting it and then it clicks and you can look back and go, wow, it makes sense that I do this work and that I am where I am. I just think the biggest thing is like listening to what draws you in, what interests you, what feels like bliss, what feels like fun, because those desires are innate and they're not placed on your heart by accident. You know, if you feel drawn toward feminine masculine energy, follow that. If you feel drawn toward, I don't know, becoming an aerospace engineer, follow that. Right. Go, your desires are innately, I believe, placed on your heart by the universe because they're leading you down your soul path. Yes. So with that knowledge, just kind of kept doing what felt good and then I would gain clarity but I will say the abusive relationship was probably the biggest awakening of that was the biggest aha and it was a thousand little aha moments and I really believe that and I, I say this to my friends all the time and I've said this to strangers go do what brings you joy because that's what the world needs more of yes and I think I with yeah and I, I really I also learned, I, Brittany uh, Turner in her podcast spoke about this because she was in an abusive relationship and she's very, very into her religion and this partner was using that against her. Mm -hmm. But she speaks about how what she went through, and I think, I just think of her statement when it comes to you and, and myself and probably many other women, what she went through, she feels she went through and survived because it allows her to be relatable to other women. Mm -hmm. in ways that you, you can't always relate to someone if you haven't been in that narcissistic relationship. You can try to understand, but you can't fully relate at the level that you're able to because you've been there. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like prior to that happening, I remember questioning, why do people stay? Like why would anyone stay in an abusive relationship? I don't understand. Like many of my... You know, friends probably wondered when I was getting out of it. And now it's so clear to me why people stay from a felt yeah. experience, right? Number one, it's probably not, if it's covert abuse like that, you know, narcissistic spiritually and religiously, it's not that all the time. I guarantee you there were really wonderful moments that made that person think, oh, are they changing? Is it gonna get better? Am I gonna get back the person I had at the beginning, right? Yeah. There's that piece. Mm -hmm. There's that person usually manipulating you to think that it's your fault. Yeah. So, oh, the only reason I'm yelling at you is because you've triggered me because you weren't listening and now I have to yell and why do you make me yell at you? Like the blame shift gaslight. Mm -hmm. yeah. But when your mind has been weakened slowly and this doesn't happen all at once, it's not a contrast of like love to abuse. It's a blend, it's just love. And then it's this like blend of mostly love and a little abuse and then half and half and then more abuse than love. And you're attached to what it should be over here, you know, that you fell in love with. Right. So a lot of times you think it's your fault and a lot of times you're just depleted. Your self-worth is 
through the toilet because of the impact this person has had and there's not a lot of strength they usually make you think that they're the only person that can save you fix you support you and you're nothing without them i mean that's why people stay they stay right. because they're really confused you know, and there's no shame in being confused because you've been manipulated. Exactly. You can't help it. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and the narcissist will pull you away from people who care. They yeah. will get upset with you because you're on the phone. Who are you talking to? Why are you mm -hmm. doing this? You should be focusing on me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. And then your confidence, like you're saying, depletes. And insecurity is a very powerful thing. And when you have someone isolating you and manipulating you and lying, oh, these people don't like you. They've never liked you. They've mm -hmm. just been fake to you. Mm -hmm. It's hard to reach out to those people who you will later learn once you get out. They always loved you. They always wanted the best for you. Mm -hmm. But you're right. When you have that environment of just like bam, 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 bam. And it, it can take months to years. A hundred. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. agree more. The triangulation is very powerful, you know. Mm -hmm. Because not only are you losing that resource of other opinions, but you're also starting to turn in on your own belief system of what's yes. healthy. Because probably when your friends are telling you, hey, I don't know about that behavior, you're like, "That's I don't really know about that behavior either. Right. And then if you tell the person, the abuser that you're with, hey, me and such and such think we don't really know about this behavior. It's kind of questionable. Yeah. Now they're going to turn in on you and turn in on the friend. And yes. you have to abandon your beliefs and what you know is right to keep that person. So a lot of times there's big fears of abandonment for the victims too. And when I watch you talk about that, I can see, and I love this and I celebrate this, I can see you have done the work. You have mm -hmm. done the work to free yourself of it. You've done the work to heal yourself. And just to watch you speak in such a healed manner, I know for a fact, give so many women out there and probably men as well i don't want to shortcut you know give men any kind of shortcoming mm -hmm. you are giving them so much hope thank you mm -hmm. thank you that's very <laughs> kind i hope so i mean that would be yeah. the best thing ever is to take all that and keep helping people get out of these situations and see how good actually healthy love feels good you know it's right. something i say often it's like if you're questioning it healthy love feels good 90 percent of the time and in the 10 percent that it doesn't it's always a foundation of love and respect still right even when my partner and i are like disagreeing and we can't see eye to eye i know he loves and respects me he's never going to disrespect me or be unloving to me even if i'm like wow you're really i just don't know how you're not getting it like i know i'm right about this <laughs> and vice versa right love and respect is still there and that's yeah. the caliber i think you know everyone gets to hold for all relationships in their life yeah so please keep talking about it because it's giving those out there struggling hope. Thank you. <laughs> and you mentioned on your website that the version of you that is running a six or seven figure business while being magnetic to healthy, mm. divine masculine partners already exists in you. Oh, can you please elaborate on that fact? Because <laughs> I'm guessing women, many women are unaware of this, this blissful oh opportunity. Well, <laughs> yes. You know, it's my belief that a lot of life is about unlearning what has happened in our formative years so we can get back to that core essence of us that knows anything is possible. You can do or be or have anything. And the biggest limitation is your mind, right? And people always put these qualifiers on, especially right now with feminism, which hardcore feminist, loud and proud. Um, and I love men. As you know, we've dedicated a show to changing the narrative on masculinity. But a lot of women right now tend to have this mentality of I can either be really driven and successful in my career and put love off till the end or maybe never have it and that's okay. Or I can be all about love and all about maybe motherhood, parenting, which are beautiful things and never really pursue my career dreams. And they believe in sacrifice, whether they're aware of it or not. And I don't believe in that. I know that it takes harmony. I know it takes balance. I know it takes flow, but I, do not agree with me having my most aligned, happy life means I have to sacrifice my own dreams or desires. Thank you. Yeah. I don't think that that's always easy. It requires devotion and dedication and learning and unlearning, but it is so possible. And that's the way I walk in my life. You know, I always tell people my biggest goals in life have been to build my impactful six, seven figure company. And part of that drive is because I want to be at home with my kids. I want to be the best mom. I could not 
die and feel fulfilled without being a mother and being a wife and having an incredible, happy, healthy family unit. That's just as important to me. And I don't want to give either one up. So that's kind of what I mean when I say like, this is already possible for you. It's just, do you let yourself have it? And are you willing to do the unlearning of all the things that make you think you can't have it? Right. Yes. And I, I appreciate you mentioned harmony. And in one of your podcasts with Courtney, you both talk about like work-life balance is not a thing, but you had said, I don't know if you had said the term or someone harmony. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this harmony makes so much more sense than trying to do the work-life balance. Cause yeah, I, I'm, a hundred percent. That came from my friend, Rachel. I don't know if she'll hear this or not, but one of my friends, Rachel said that to me because she has two kids and she has a husband and so much going on. And she's such a powerful woman. And she was like, I just stopped looking for balance. And I look for harmony of all these areas in my life. I was like, you have changed my life in this moment. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. That's it with part one with Brie. In our next episode, we continue the conversation with this incredible woman who is wonderfully brilliant in her vulnerability that is allowing her to change the lives of others with her coaching. I'm not going to be happy if I don't get to pursue this. This desire is on my heart for a reason, right? Like we talked about at the beginning. So I'm going to make this choice that I'm not going to close my heart. And I kind of just gradually gave myself permission of... I'm allowed to be angry, mad, bitter, process. I'm allowed to not date if I want to, but my intention is to clear this. Thank you so much for listening to Journey to the Rise. I do hope you'll give us a follow on your podcast app so you have the latest episode downloaded. We would love to have you join us over on Instagram. You can find our account at Journey to the Rise Podcast. This episode was researched, produced, and edited by Girl Boss Productions. Music was written and produced by Girl Boss Productions. And please remember to be kind to yourself. When you're kind to you, it is easier to be kind to others. And as my friend Nina Covington says, you cannot hate yourself into a version you love. I'm Lucretia, and you've been listening to Journey to the Rise.